greetings, greetings, greetings and salutations to one and all. Welcome, 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 welcome to the night shift. It's another brand spanking new night right here on the night shift with DJ Kevin Stew Community and Finance Night. How you doing? How you doing each and everyone? Are you locked in? Are you loaded? Have you called a friend, told a friend? I want to say big ups to those who are locked in from across the pond, one ham on the radio, top of the morning to you over there in the UK. Big ups to those who are locked in on the Foundation Radio Network, ClintonLindsay.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome. The Foundation Network has uh, Clinton on at midday. Remember to catch Musical Genius on uh, One Harmony Radio in the UK. Big ups to Island Worldwide of their new New York City. The power of music. If you don't know it yet, you'll experience it with one ham with Island Worldwide. I want to say big ups to those on NIE Radio over there in New Jersey. I hope you guys keep it warm, you know, because, boy, some cool events happening up there. I want to say big ups to those who are locked in on WGLRO out of Texas, home of the Donnie Walker Morning Show, the People Station. Big ups, big ups, big ups to each and every one of you. PEMGTV.com I'm 
want to say hi to our Facebook friends and family members. Do apologize to those loyal to KevinStew.com. It's not your regular spot that you'll be viewing on tonight. Technical team still working on that issue. The Zone of Voice working out with Bad Royal. It's called Getaway. As we're here, getting the crew together. The track is called Getaway, the sound of voice working out Bad Royale. I want to say thanks to my segment sponsors, Paul CEE Media Group. When being in a moment is priceless, they provide innovative streaming and recording solutions. If you have an event that you want to stream live, Wedding, a funeral, a church service, a class meeting, a seminar. Uh, give Pulse Media Group a call, 754 Or check them out, PEMGTV. Sorry, PulseEMG.com. Yeah, many people will be watching on Pulse on PEMGTV tonight. I want to say thanks to Althea and her healing heavenly hands 
Althea is a licensed massage therapist operating out of Broad County, North Miami-Dade and South Palm Beach counties. She comes to you with tw- 20 years experience, healing heavenly hands, her oils, and COVID-free. Of course, she'd like to leave that way also. Give her a call, 954-655-9000. Arrange your moment of heavenly bliss with your own personal massage in your comfortable space. What more could one ask for? She only has one request outside of paying her. You get off her table when she's done and go sleep somewhere else. And believe me, you will fall asleep. Yeah, ladies, believe me, I, I fall asleep every time. I want to say big ups to Reggae Global Entertainment. They would like to see booking agents, take care of your tour management, handle your publishing, trademarks, business registration, music production, marketing and promotion, and more. Give them a call, 954-998-8034. I'll check them out on reggaeglobalentertainment.com And of course, thanks to GMAT Music Solutions Bringing your event to life Providing sound, light, stage production services Musical equipment, PA systems, audio engineers, DJs, bands, musicians, singers and more Get them a call, 754-307-GMAC That's 754-307-4622 or check them out, gmapmusicsolutions.com uh, Some people just want to get away, get away from it all And I don't really blame them Some people want to get away to safety And we know that's a real thing So tonight, with me I have some awesome, awesome, awesome individuals. And I'm going to be introducing you to them in just a couple of seconds. Now, those of you who normally go to kevinstew.com, you notice that you're being rerouted to pemgtv.com, and that's fine. Don't worry. It's the same viewing that you would normally see on kevinstew.com. And uh, tonight, you're just going to go to to pemgtv.com, and I'll make sure to pin that for you guys on Facebook Live. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I do invite you to call a friend, tell a friend. You know, call an enemy, call friends of your enemies and enemies of your friends. Tell them all. It's a night shift to DJ Kevin Stew. Community and finance night. And tonight, we touch on a very important topic. And uh, some people might not think it is that important. Some people might not think that it's actually going on. I want to say hi to those on Facebook Live right now. Uh, Sharon, bless ups to you. Janet, um, Janelle, sorry. Love you, sweetheart. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Janice. Hi. Share, 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 share. Tell everybody. Come, 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 come. Because they need to hear this from the very beginning. They don't want to miss any of it. All right. So, 
I'll stop wasting time. I'm not wasting time. <laughs> but uh, I'll make sure to... I've set the table. Now it's time for you to feast. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm just going to hand this over to these ladies because I didn't tell them before. This is actually their broadcast. I'm just facilitating it. So, ladies, you have officially been warned. I introduce you guys to the ladies of the moment. All of them. Um, I have Nisi. I have Dr. Jessica. I have Tanika. I have Sandra. And you're going to be meeting each and every one of them and learning what each of them are doing. Ladies, welcome, welcome, welcome to the night shift. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. How are you all doing? Beautifully. Great. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I, I, I can hear all of you clearly. And um, I suspect this is going to be one mind-blowing night. And that's awesome. <laughs> <sighs> hey, Paula, how you doing? Um, so I don't even know who I should start first. Start with with the introductions. Um, okay. Those of you who are watching, you 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 can see them from here on the left side of your screen that's that's Nisi below her is Tanika in the middle below me that's Dr. Jessica Vera and over on on the far end the far on the right hand side that's Sandra and so um Nisi because you were the one yeah. that I met first I'm putting you yeah. up first <laughs> No problem. Okay, so, right, so go ahead and introduce yourself. It's yours. So uh, my name is Nisi Johnson, and I am the director and one of the executive producers and co-founder of Taking Innocence Project. And that is a company that um, I started with Tanika, who's also on the call. And um, that company was actually founded in order to um, work on a very special project that um, actually means a lot to both of us. And that is a project that talks about the dangers of sex trafficking. Um, and in particular, we focus on sex trafficking of uh, small children, minor children under the age of 18. Um, it is it's something that we don't talk about enough, mm. um, let alone in, in probably most families at all. And so I'm happy to be here to talk about that. And um, so just to tell you a little bit more about the project, it's a documentary, and the documentary is also called Taking Innocence Project. And mm. we focus on stories of actual um, survivors, and we have one of them actually on the call tonight. And that's Dr. Sandy. You'll hear from her as well. Um, yes. And it also, we also talk to, you know, safe houses and other organizations that are actually helping children um, that are transforming from victimism into survivorship. Companies such as um, the Elite Foundation um, that we didn't get to interview them for the film, but I actually sit on their board. 
And so I know Dr. Uh, Jessica Vera very, very well, and, and I'm, I'm passionate about what her organization does. And so you guys will also hear from her later on. So nice. I will shut up and let the other women talk. <laughs> so, Tanika, you're up next. Good night, good night, good night. Um, I am Tanika Clark, as Nisi Johnson said. I am a producer and co-founder of Taking Innocence Project. Uh, Nisi shared an awesome uh, deal of what Taking Innocence Project is all about. Yes. Um, and I'm just just honored to be here to be able to share and um, and and talk about you know these issues that exist. So I'm ready. <laughs> Awesome, awesome, short and sweet. <laughs> okay, Dr. Jessica, you're up. Good evening, everyone. Thank you so much, Kevin, for this opportunity. Yes, I'm the founder of Elite Foundation, and it's a 5013C um, nonprofit that stands in the gap to end the sexual exploitation and trafficking of our children and vulnerable in this community and in um, all communities nationally. Mm -hmm. We have been... Um, Basically working in this fight, I've personally been working in this fight over 25 years, but the organization has been in this community in um, South Florida for the last uh, going on five years. And what we do is we do a lot of intervention through education and prevention. And that's actually how we came. Um, I came upon the um, project that Nisi and Tamika created um, for Taking Innocence. We were looking for um, visual arts in order to be able to do curriculum specifically for middle and high school children so as to teach them how to avoid the perils of being tricked, trapped, and traded. Mm. Um, and their masterpiece is being used as part of a nation-wide uh, curriculum that will be available at um, the middle and high school levels for kids and their families. So we're, we're very excited about this. It's um, launching this month, um, and it's part of also one of the first national anti-human trafficking mentoring programs. So oh, wow. that's basically what we do. We do a little bit of everything. Um, and uh, as Nisi mentioned, we are survivor-led, trauma-informed, and I'm a survivor of multiple traumas, not trafficking, but um, have a tremendous heart as my daughter was fished when she was 15 into trafficking. So um, heart and soul is totally in this, in this fight. Um, yes. We're going to win this battle because of these ladies on this call. Awesome. And last, by no, but by no means least, Dr. Sandra. Sandra, are you still with us? Hello? Yes, good evening. Oh, there I she is. I just love listening to your voice um, <laughs> at the beginning of the program, Kevin. You have such an amazing voice to do what you're doing. Oh, thank so you. So thank you for having us. It's a privilege and a pleasure to be on, um, on, on your show tonight and to be amongst uh, these amazing women that I have the privilege and the pleasure of working with. Um, I'm not just as a survivor, but also someone now on the front lines to end this monstrous trade of over uh, 40 million people globally. And um, oftentimes we don't have the language to put into words um, the, um, the pervasiveness of trafficking, and especially in communities of color, which happens um, um, disproportionately because of the, um, the different socioeconomic um, backgrounds and also because of uh, different literacy levels. So there's so, it's a complex issue 
but I, I couldn't put it better than Dr. Vera that we are going to do this because of all the amazing women on this line, Tanika and Nisi, who's um, amazing producers, doing an awesome work uh, to give people like me a voice. I was trafficked at 11 years old in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and sold after um, being on a circuit from Fort Lauderdale to Miami. And um, I'm just so grateful that uh, my life has purpose and meaning beyond the trauma of what I went through. And um, the Lord gives us beauty for ashes and, and strength for fear. So I'm just grateful. And um, I'm so thankful to be speaking on this line tonight. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm totally, totally dumbstruck, flabbergasted. I have no words. You ladies are are here in an amazing capacity. And I I I am I'm so grateful that that y'all could have taken the time out to to be here. Um let me go ahead and, and put up our topic tonight, the Taking Innocence Project. And Sandra, Dr. Sandra, you, first of all, I've never met anyone that has had the experience of being trafficked. I haven't. And I've, I've spoken to people uh, on, from various walks of life. I've, um, Dr. Dr. Jessica, I've never had anyone tell me that their child has been um, targeted to be trafficked. And nor have I met anyone to sit down and put together a production talking about this. So it's a very first for me with you ladies. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show the, the trailer for the, the docu-series in a little bit. Um, yes, Facebook, those of you on Facebook Live, you will get to see the trailer. So we jump off in a few minutes. In fact, let me kick off and get the trailer out of the way because once you guys get started, I don't want to stop you. And um, Dr. Sandra, I, 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 I am, I'm so curious about how it was that you ended up in on this circuit so let me go ahead and and pull up this 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 trailer and then we can move from there after that after the trailer um we're gonna say goodbye to those on facebook live uh inviting you guys to use the link it's pinned right there in the in on the facebook live on, on facebook so you can just use the link come on over you get the whole thing I might get my arm might get twisted into staying on to Facebook Live. We'll see what happens after this. But let me go ahead and tune this up. Get this ready in the meantime. And those of you not familiar with this docu docu series or have never seen a trailer, this is where you just pause and watch. There's nothing else I can tell you to do. But pause and watch. Alright, so let me get this together. The time. Oh, I do apologize. It was muted all this time. Sorry. Let me go again. I have a daughter named Alexis. 
and she used to love to sit on my lap and she would take her finger and she would twirl my hair. And it would be so annoying, but I loved it because she was so close to me. She was taken from this world too soon by the grips of abuse, addiction, and sex trafficking. We were at a hotel in the summer with other tourists. There was a trafficking ring already networked. Look for children who were left alone, you know, basically unaccompanied. Many parents are not aware that these traffickers are often hiding in the shadows. They are people that you will see every single day. And oftentimes they're there and they will see you way before you ever can detect them. FBI recently estimated there's 900,000 predators online masquerading as a 14 or 15 year old, but they're actually a 20, 30 or 40 year old, luring somebody in. She was on the phone all the time taking pictures. She stayed in her room a lot. She had no more self-worth. She had nothing left to give or to offer, and I believe that's what she felt and what was in her mind. <sighs> this is hard for me. Sometimes we have a misconception that says girls put themselves in a position. They put themselves in these risky positions and vulnerable positions to be trafficked. That is not the case. Some girls are being trafficked by girls their same age. So there's somebody that's in their peer group, somebody that knows them from school. So that's one of the trends we're seeing. That there could very well be many thousands of victims right now trying to get out, trying to figure out a way to get out, and they need a little assistance. And then at some point, they begin to believe just how worthless and how shameful and how embarrassed and how guilty they have become. And they can no longer fight. That, uh, ladies, um, welcome back. Um, are, are you guys okay? So, at at this moment, I I I I have no words, and I've seen this trailer over and over again. And each time I see it, I I, I remember the first time I saw it, um, Nisi. This was a few weeks ago on Bar Talk when, when you were a guest with Luke Ballantyne in a moment to remember studio on Bar Talk. Yeah. And I, I, I couldn't speak then. I, I was shook to my core. And, and, and I've seen it a few times since as I've shared it with some people. And here I am again. Yet again, shook. <sighs> yes. You know, and that's not the first time that we've heard it. And I think what 
makes it so gripping is we don't talk about it enough. So when we see something like that on television, um, mm -hmm. it is, it is, it's very shocking to know that something like that can happen to small children. And as, um, Sandy said in, in her clip as well, like it happens in plain sight and yeah. your child can be snatched from underneath your nose and you don't even know it before you even know it. So, you know, you have to watch your children. We have to pay attention, but more importantly, we have to start having these conversations. So, all right, <laughs> Dr. Sandy, how did you end up in, in, in this situation? And so, Kevin, that's, a, that's such an amazing question. The biggest issue is family. And so it starts in the family. Everything starts in the family. And so for me, um, my parents went through a divorce. And when my mother remarried, she remarried a man that would start to rape me from the age of seven to um, 11 years old. And oftentimes, so trafficking was not my original wounding and my original trauma. My original trauma happened at the age of seven. But that led me to run away at the age of 11. And when I ran away at the age of 11, three days later, I was trafficked. And um, I was trafficked from Fort Lauderdale Beach. And um, evidently, Fort Lauderdale Beach, um, they created a place called Covenant House there in 1980. <laughs> I was, I was already trafficked and, uh, in 1980. So, and I tra was trafficked from the Fort Lauderdale beach mm -hmm. and, um, they built the covenant house there because they noticed just, it was a large number of homeless runaways running to the beach. I, I just migrated to the beach because it was the one place that felt bigger than the pain that the inner pain that I went through as a child. And so, uh, hanging out at the beach, being there, um, detached, dissociated, um, two African-American men um, picked me up from there and uh, trafficked, trafficked me from Fort Lauderdale to Miami and then back again. And that's, that's how it happens. You said trafficked you to Miami Beach and then back again. So this happened over what period of time? A year. By the time I turned 12, um, Broward County Sheriff's Office picked me up and put me in DCF custody from, from that time on. And from shelter homes to foster care was, um, was, my, next, um, was my next experience. And, and the thing about trafficking is it's not over once you get out. And that's why I think it's so important, uh, the work that Tanika Anisi is doing because it's not over. There, there's, 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 um, you are in a constant state of re-victimization because until we, we can get out of the and, and take a, a child out of that trauma, but then there needs to be a second rescue to take the trauma of that, that child or the young adult or that one. It's never over when you're rescued and um, it's, there needs to be a, a second rescue or there's no rescue at all. And that's, that's my experience. And I, I, Dr. Dr. Jessica, Dr. Vera, 
Dr. Jessica Vera. Um, I, don't, I hope you don't mind. I'll be using Dr. Jessica from this point on. <laughs> you're good. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is where you come in now because mm-hmm. as Dr. Sandy said, you know, it, it doesn't stop when you get out. No, I would say that it actually begins. You know, there are three things that make someone um, a potential target, and that is susceptibility, accessibility, and vulnerability. And exploiters are looking for those points of entry. And typically, there's a succession. So it starts with abuse, like Sandy um, was describing, right? It establishes a certain pattern of um, vulnerability that that can create. And then these exploiters are looking for leverage points to be able to um, enter into relationships of trust initially, um, and then to break down the psyche of that child that's in the developmental stage. And you have to remember that um, most of this is happening um, to children that are being targeted at the prepubescent stage. So their brains are not fully developed, their identity is not fully developed, and neither is their sexual identity. So there is some very significant damage that can be done. Yes. Um, so when children are, um, you know, I, I like what Sandra said, that, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a physical rescue. And if you speak to most um, victims, as we have, they'll say that they've walked away from trafficking themselves. So it's not even that, you know, there's no breaking down the doors and rescuing children in every single case. But um, some survivors just walk away from it. Um, but what ends up happening is that they're so um, broken so um, detached and there's so much that has occurred um, with regards to psychological trauma that it just is really the beginning of the journey towards healing that's going to take a lifetime and so there's very specialized care that needs to be provided um, and it is something that has to be delivered in a very trauma-informed paradigm which means that you step in to as best you can the experience of the individual and you don't make assumptions and you allow them to tell you their individual experiences because Sandra's experience is one, you know, my daughter's is another. Every single victim that has lived through something of this nature has very different internalization of the experience and um, the context is very important to understand when you're working with with victims that are working towards their survivorship and to becoming overcomers. So, so it is a process. Mm-hmm. You, you, you said um, each story is different, and you, mm-hmm. you mentioned your daughters. Uh, someone here on, on Facebook Live, and, you know, I'm going to stick around on Facebook Live also. So um, I'd normally cut you guys off and just go straight over, and it would just be on PEMG TV or on kevinstew.com, but I, I'm, I'm sticking around tonight because there are some people here that this is the only way they can get to hear this. Um, hey, Brenda, how you doing, B? Um, Janice says, I cannot figure out how parents or guardians can take their children to the park and become so involved in their cell phones, but they can snatch a child out of your hands too. This is horrific, and I'm feeling your pain, Dr. Anderson. God bless you and the rest of you, the ladies, on these beautiful ladies on the panel tonight. So, uh, Sandra told about her running away to get to somewhere that she felt 
that she could just be. Now, with your daughter, Dr. Jessica, mm-hmm. you said it was a little bit different. What, what, what happened with her? So let me set the stage. So in my household, we're an intact family, meaning that she was raised with both parents mm-hmm. and she has a sister. I come from transgenerational sexual abuse, so I was a helicopter parent and overprotective. I also come from uh, a background of forensic psychology, and I've been a forensic evaluator for the Department of Children and Family for the last 22 years. So I'm very, very informed. And yet in my household, predators were able to um, gain access to my daughter at a time where she was exploring like every young little girl at 11, 12 years old is exploring their um, social context online. She was seeking you know, acceptance and approval from online supposed friends. But one of the very common practices of predators is to um, exploit children through um, false profiles and pretending to be something that they're not. So she thought she was talking to a 15-year-old little boy who befriended her over the course of six months and spoke into her life in ways that um, created separation from her family. So we come from a Latin background, so family is very, very important. And she grew up um, very enmeshed, and yet this person was able to convince her that, you know, she didn't need us, um, spoke into the things that um, she was seeking, right? She was seeking the approval and the acceptance, the social acceptance from this little boy. He was saying all the right things to her um, and creating separation between her and the family. And I saw a dramatic change in my child. But, you know, you, you as a parent, especially from my context, I chopped it up to she's just going through those prepubescent years where she's trying to figure out who she is. And, um, you know, we're going to see a little bit of resistance. We're going to see a little bit of her, um, exercising her individuality, but for no, uh, by no intensive purposes ever thought that this was going on mm-hmm. until I became rudely aware of it. Um, because of my clearance and my role with the state, I have friends who were able to, uh, ping the address because I was starting to get worried by her behavior, start to isolate, started um, more than, you know, your typical isolation. She would wear a lot of dark clothes. She became very rude, very defiant, something that was not typical of her personality. Um, and right. my husband and I truly, you know, threw our hands up in the air and really didn't know. So got some friends to ping the IP address and found out that she was actually speaking to a pedophile, a 69-year-old man who was part of a traffic ring that was being... Um, surveyed um and the next step on the text that was going back and forth was that she was going to go meet a friend we never let her go by herself so that was the first clue right that she was going to go meet a friend and she was lying about going to aventura mall which is a very very popular location where children are often there um and so we intervened we intervened and didn't let her go had she gone we heard that the sting operation went forward and they actually broke that ring and Um, They found that that ring was running all the way from South Miami up through the eastern border up to New York. And then the girls were being shipped internationally. So we would have lost our daughter if I let her go. That is crazy. Mm -hmm. And like I said, if it can happen in my family where I was a helicopter parent, very well educated and informed, working with CSEC, commercially exploited children day in and day out seeing it in front of my face, and yet I missed it. So, it doesn't really matter 
how well structured your home your 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 home is your household is the, you are two parents very much involved but still that child looking for themselves looking for that social acceptance what they're doing online they 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 may become victims to these these predators and and here we have yeah. someone saying in 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 the chat that this is the stuff that they see on TV all the time they get their stories they have to get their stories from somewhere absolutely but when when you're not watching it on TV when when you're hearing it firsthand from people going through it when you're hearing it from people that 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 talk to people and put things together like like Nisi and Tanika did it it it's mind blowing it's almost so surreal it's 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 unbelievable almost yeah it's i i will say kevin like once you start to learn and explore this topic a lot more and people start having those conversations they'll realize that it's it's not it's not uncommon at all it's just that it's one of those taboo topics um, and who wants to think about it as a parent? Like you don't want to think about those things happening to your to your child. Right. So, if, because you know people just don't like to talk about it, we we don't make ourselves aware of it. And um, you know, I just encourage anybody that's listening, start having the conversations. And if you're not comfortable with, with having the conversation, um, that's why you know. Tanika and I, we're creating content as well. You know, share the tra- trailer, follow our page. Um, yeah. You know, let the stories of of survivors like, you know, Sandy and stories like what Dr. Jess just shared, let their stories do the talking for you. Because, you know, I think it's very brave of them. Yes. You know, a lot of times people think that they're just sharing a story. No, it, there's... You have to be very brave to share something so intimate about your own personal life. And so they're very brave, um, you know, for sharing their story to help other people. Oh, yes, definitely. Definitely. And, you know, because also each time they share the story, it's, it's a moment reliving it somewhat. Um both as a as a as a parent, Doctor Jess, and as a someone as a survivor, Doctor Sandy. Do you get frustrated or tired of talking about this any at all? Absolutely not. Let you go first, Doctor. Here. There's, yeah. a, I, there's a delay. I'm so sorry. Sandra, you want to go ahead? Oh, okay. No, no I was saying, go. I said you go right ahead. And I'll, oh. I'll, come in, I'll come in after you. <laughs> um, so, Kevin, no, absolutely not. I find, you know, after you come out of the darkness yourself, you never think that you're going to be put into a position to step back in. And mm-hmm. then when something like what happened um, occurs, you realize that um, this is a call. This is a mission. Um, and so you take up arms and you put everything that you are capable of to ensure that this doesn't happen to someone else, to someone else's um, 
child to, you know, another woman, another young boy. For me, it's about um, sharing the story with purpose and understanding that that story in and of itself is not sufficient, but that we have to put action to follow in order right. to be able to, you know, to help. Because as I mentioned, and I think I, I hope what was heard was, you know, we can never be equipped sufficiently. What we have to do is gain awareness and insight. And that only happens with the sharing of transparent, you know, narratives and stories like what we're doing yes. so that people can realize that it, it can certainly happen in any household. But that doesn't mean that there aren't ways to protect your children and ways to protect our community. It just means that, um, you know, at the time when I was experiencing it personally, I was not as equipped as I am today. And so sharing the story has meaning and purpose in that it has evolved. Um, my daughter is now 24 years old. She's beautiful. She's in her master's program. She's doing advocacy. And, you know, she's really taken up the cause herself. And so that's, that is the blessing. Nice. Dr. Zander. And I would, I would agree with that. I, there was a time in my life, Kevin, that I said I would take these secrets to the grave um, re to revisit uh, the trauma of, of, of a, a very traumatic history was just too much for me to even think about. But after going through um, trafficking and coming out and um, being an African-American woman in and of itself um, often felt like... Um, a double slap in the face because I grew up in a very a racist culture. And so um, just growing up in Fort Lauderdale, well, I, I, we lived in Tampa and then coming to Fort Lauderdale mm -hmm. um, and going through the divorce, seeing my parents go through the divorce and the fighting and, and going through the Jim Crow era, it was just one thorn and another thorn and another thorn. And I use thorns because that's the best way that I can, explain the experiences that I went through. And so I, I just told myself I was going to take everything to my grave from being uh, touched as a child to being trafficked to uh, becoming pregnant at 13 years old, uh, suicide attempts at 15 years old, um, um, drug addiction at 16 years old, arrested on national TV at 18, year, 18 years old, and then having a a full-blown AIDS diagnosis. We don't say uh, full-blown anymore, but having an AIDS diagnosis in my in my 20s, you know, it was one thorn after the next because oftentimes trauma leads to re-victimization. Right. And we don't know that. We're just going along uh, the trajectory and then um, we start to self-destruct from the inside out. And that's what was happening in my own life. And it wasn't until Christ came in. He was always with me because I, I had a foundation of faith laid by my sister Joyce um, and, and my mom. But when Christ came in and I just started to fight for my life, fight for my wellness, coming from a CD4 of two to well over a thousand and then fighting to be clean and sober, fighting to stop um, dissociating and detaching because I, I spent a lot of my adult years in detachment because that's the only way to survive the level of trauma that I endured. And so if for my own personal experience, um, 
dissociating, mean I'm not here. I'm straddling two wor- worlds. And I call that, right. I say that in my book because that's the best way for me to explain it, is to straddle those two different worlds. Where I, I'm too far away to, to, um, to, to feel the touch of, of what was happening to me, but I'm still close enough to have the repercussions of what it felt like to be trafficked, what it felt like to go through um, the, that level of trauma. And so t- to the question, um, I do not get tired of sharing my story because um, Christ gave me the strength and the courage to share it, not for me. And he told me very clearly that my grace is sufficient for you. What you went through is is to put you on the front lines of this battle from everything from um, uh, discrimination in the African-American community. We know that African-Americans um, are at the at the the top of every um, social determinant list from HIV and AIDS to uh, running away at um, uh, the youth that run away, mm-hmm. even though it's it's across social and economic and race um, uh, bounds, it still doesn't matter because it's African Americans that's the top uh, ones that's running away, top at um, being placed in DCF custody because of um, the um, the issues going on in the home. It's 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 these youth that has the highest rates of right. having all of these deleterious issues that's happening. So, you know, I I could no longer be silent. And then when it hit home for me is when I finally got out of a domestic violence situation. My daughter uh, went missing at school and um, and this was another episode that I, I wrote about it in my book when she went missing and it was nothing but the Holy Spirit that led me back to her school. She wasn't there. And I just uh, fought to find her. And um, with the police not, you know, just being very desensitized to what I was going through. And that's another reason I won't stay silent because it's, you know, my children started to get caught up in that same cycle of what was happening. So I needed to speak out and I will always speak out because it's not just about my life or my children, but every person that is still going through, um, through this issue. So it's, you know, we, I don't think we'll ever get tired of, of speaking out, especially now meeting Tanika and Nisi where they, um, they're just amazing warrior women that give people like me a voice to speak. And so having that support, having that undergirding um, of all that they do, it's just, it's very empowering and we won't stop. I'm, I'm glad you won't. Um, Tanika, uh, when you got involved in all of this, what was it like for you? <laughs> That's a great, great question. Um, So coming into this, I had an idea of what I thought that, you know, sex trafficking looked like, what, um, you know, how these women were affected, how these children were affected by this. Mm -hmm. Um, I was only maybe (laughs) uh, 10%, right? Uh, There was so much that I did not know Uh, coming into this about the reality of what sex trafficking really was like, like most people, you know, um, I didn't know 
how close to home it was. And when I say that, it's because so many of us feel like this is so far removed. You know, we watch it on the news, we see it and it's like, oh my gosh, you know, that's terrible. But we don't really realize, um, you know, what this looks like. Yeah. Uh, Sandra described it as, you know, it's a familial issue. Um, and that's that's how it started. You've heard Dr. Jessica's uh, story. And, and, and then there are so many different cases and, and each case is, you know, in, individual, but it really highlights and, and shows you that this is everywhere. And because it's such a, um, it's, it's such a lucrative industry, mm-hmm. uh, there's such a high demand out there, you know, for human beings as commodities and and that is that's the reality that we want to to show and to highlight because um you know it's it's a sad reality but there are predators out there lurking and exploiters out there lurking and 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 uh we want people to to be aware, to, to to know what's going on, and to, to be equipped. So yeah, coming in to this, um, and now knowing what I I know, you know, it's just that much more of a mission and a purpose for me. Um, so that everyone, you know, just yeah, just to, uh, to spread the word. To, to raise that, to, and, to raise that to awareness. Spread the word. To raise awareness. Yeah. Yes. Um, I know yeah. what you mean. Yeah. I I. When I hear you guys talking about this, and the, it 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 seems to be happening quite frequently, and it seems to be a thing that happens quite a bit here in South Florida. Everyone on this on this call right now, myself included, we're all in South Florida. And to to hear the stories, to hear your children, the children going through some of the, the, the things that they went through here in South Florida, that's scary. That's that's very scary. Yeah. yeah. And to know that it is actively happening so much so that we have to be constantly raising awareness. It's even mind-blowing. I was speaking with someone yeah. today out of, out of Portland, out of Oregon. Mm-hmm. And what she was saying to me led me to believe that it is... It, could quite be more sinister than we 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 are aware of this, this this is a network which seems to be not only well funded but mm-hmm. well supported in in mm-hmm. in providing um new commodity so to speak because when you're being trafficked you're no longer it's I don't think you're any longer seen or viewed as a person. You're you're a commodity mm-hmm. to be to be trafficked. Mm-hmm. And speaking with her, she was saying, you know, you'd be surprised to think that 
the you have local government funded agencies that are a part of this and i'm like y- you can't mm-hmm. really be saying that the you have people that work for the government that's supposed to be looking out for the citizens of the, each community in on something like this mm-hmm. absolutely they are and absolutely yeah right yeah and I said to her, you know, depending on what happens tonight, I might need for you to give me a call. If, if not to call in tonight, if you can, to give me a call um, and, and we revisit this from another angle come Wednesday in Real Talk. Because it's crazy to think that a government agency, and she said, you know, if you don't know your rights, you, you'd be surprised because these kids end up in foster care and then disappear. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah. And hearing you guys um, even know saying yeah, <laughs> yeah, talk to me. It's it's, un- it's unfortunate. Go ahead, Sandy. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh no, I was gonna say the system was over overwrought. You know, the system is overwrought with um with brokenness and um from our societies to poverty to our families and where you see that type of brokenness. Um, you're going to see an uptick in it. And, and like and like Dr. Vera said, it's not even always brokenness, but more it's more pervasive in those um, areas where there's such brokenness. And so but it but it happens everywhere. It happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, my gosh, I, I can't even underscore bus stops, halfway houses, sober houses, prisons. Traffickers are looking at women's in prison, looking at the blogs, looking at what they're in for, it's like you were saying earlier, Kevin, it's a well-organized um, mm. uh, underground market. It's well-organized. Yeah. And it's been Kevin. happening far more than we can imagine. And a lot of people, and, and I believe uh, a lot of the statistics we have are mm. inadequate, are, um, are, are not correct. Because a lot of people don't report, yep. it's not reported to the level it's happening. Go, yep. go right ahead, love. Go right ahead. Yep, yep. You know, I, I was just gonna, I'm agreeing with you on that, and I, and I, um, I think a lot of it is due to sometimes victims don't even know what they've survived. You know, exactly. if you if you're a child and something like that happens to you, you don't necessarily know that that's what what you call it. Right. And then and then the shame and the stigma that comes along with it. We have a huge issue with how we label young girls and especially we we blame it on the kid. If we see in our communities a young girl walking with an older man, we blame her. We say that she's fast. She's promiscuous. No one points the finger at the older gentleman. Right. They're not Mm. saying, well, he's a pedophile. Yeah. Or even if he is a well-known pedophile, we're not calling the police. We're not reporting it to the authorities. We're allowing these things to happen. And then we're labeling the child who's a victim. And there's a, 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 a reason why the law says that there is an age of consent. And although it might vary state by state, there is an age of consent. And it's because even though that child may say yes to that first interaction, they, their mind mentally is not developed enough to think through all of the consequences. Right. And those are things that we have to memorize or, or remember as adults when we see things like that. When you see that, 
step in, stand in the gap. They may not have a family member or a parent or someone in, in their circle that is protecting them. So we need to get back to that village mentality. We, we lost that. Absolutely. Yeah, I, would, I would agree with you. But Kevin, you know, yeah. to circle back to what you mentioned, we're talking about an underestimation of over, you know, $300 billion industry. I think, as Sandra said, it is an underestimation. Um, trafficking uh, 300 is billion with a B? Yeah, with a billion. It would be a billion. And it is the fastest growing criminal enterprise, second only to drug trafficking. And I'm going to tell you, I think that it's already superseded it. It's just like mm -hmm. everyone is saying, it's underreported. And the reason being is, you know, there is a risk in trafficking drugs and there's a cost to it. Whereas trafficking in the commodity of human beings, there is very low risk because the prosecutory rates are very, very low. It's very hard to prosecute the crime of trafficking and traffickers know that. And there are very, there are significant variances from state to state. And when you talk about, you know, this is a power structure. There's a power differential. So it's not just about money, but it's also about power and position. And so trafficking is a very well organized, syndicated criminal enterprise that is operated at levels that we would never fathom. Um, and they're not on the street corners and it's not in the drug only drug culture. We're talking about, you know, high profile people like Epstein and some of the others that we've seen in the news of late. So it is it's becoming more and more visible, but it's still for most very unbelievable. Um, mm -hmm. But again, right, we're going to continue to talk about it so that it can be at the forefront. I'm, I'm, I'm going to also go ahead and and. and put the, the, the call in line out there. Um, there might be someone out there that might want to directly ask a question to you guys. 773-789-STU gets you in touch. 773-789-7839. You can call, you can text, you can WhatsApp. Um, preferably, call in your, your, your questions. Those of you who are unable to, to put your questions in the chat or to comment on Facebook Live, I, I do have a question here on Facebook Live. Um, should I sit with my 10-year-old daughter and watch this documentary? I had this conversation about these chat rooms on these video games with her since she was eight, but I found her on it again. I truly believe something visual will have an effect. Should uh, There should be conferences held in every community and free self-defense classes. This is very serious. But the, the question here is, should I sit with my 10-year-old daughter and watch this documentary? Uh, I would say absolutely. Um, but I would, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let Dr. Jessica add to this conversation around education and school and um. But I would say absolutely yes. But I would say prior to watching the documentary, you definitely also want to have conversations with your children about, um, you know, sex in general. Mm -hmm. And if you know, you know, if you're if your child is asking questions, or maybe even if they're not, I think if they're asking questions, you definitely want to talk to them about sex, and you you want to talk to them about boundaries. You want to talk to them about what to do if somebody approaches them. You want to talk to them about what to do if they are made to feel uncomfortable. So those are, those are the preliminary conversations that you can start having like right now 
prior mm-hmm. to this documentary even um, being available. And I want to, um, um, Dr. Jess, to actually talk about, you know, her experience with um, getting this into different schools, you know, around the country and curriculum and, and all that good stuff. And I would like to tack on to that boys mm-hmm. because it seems oh. i have a panel of yes. women here and yes. we have following up stories involving girls i want you yep. to attack boys onto onto that whole thing please i can i'll let just circle uh answer that the first question and then i can circle back and talk about boys because that was a huge misconception that i had okay as cool. a mother of a boy all right well <laughs> <laughs> So I would just start by saying that um, our children today are being exposed to sexualized material at a much, much younger age, simply because of the accessibility of the content on Internet and gaming and um, even as as um, as presumably innocent as, you know, Nickelodeon and and cartoons. So I would tell other parents, right, to understand that context and to meet their child where they are. If we look at this solely from a neuropsychological perspective, you know, children's brains are very um, fallible. And so when they're exposed to this type of material, they already start the process of becoming inquisitive and asking, not necessarily to their parents, but amongst their peers, starting to explore these topics much younger and younger. The youngest um, child that I've ever worked with who was um, exploring sexuality was four years old and it was on an iPad game. And um, I was, yeah, I was flabbergasted, but at the same time, you cannot show that because, you know, if they're being exposed to it through media, then you have to be, as the parent, you have to be able to step into their world at their level I would say that you, like um, Nisi said, we do need to be very um, highly sensitive to the child. Every child is going to approach this a little differently. But as a parent, you know your child best and you want to be able to understand their developmental stage and to put things into language and into imagery and perspective that they're going to be able to understand. But, you know, we've been asked this question, when do you start the curriculum? And I'm going to tell you... um, our governor was very, very courageous, and we are the first state in the nation to mandate that there has to be anti-human trafficking curriculum from the kindergarten age all the way to through high school. We're the only state, or the state right now in the nation that requires it. So really? the con, yes. So the content that's in Nisi and Tamika's masterpiece truly is something that can be watched by a 10-year-old. I would even tell you that it could be watched by a five-year-old. It's a matter of the parent being alongside and having um, sensitivity to where the child is at developmentally and understanding that they can speak to them before, preempt it mm-hmm. with some of what Nisi said, but also speaking through. And that's the premise of the learning framework that we're using the film um, to be able to use the film as the visual context with a learning framework that's very developmentally appropriate for children as young as five years old. Right. Because the reality is they're already being exposed to a lot of it. You know, in the in the good old days, right, we used to say safe touch, bad touch, yes, and yes. Danger, uh, stranger danger, right? 
today, Mm -hmm. you know, our kids are being told, you know, where does, where they live, who they are, um, to get food, they can order Uber. You know, they're basically telling all of their demographic information the minute they get on the web. Right. Um, So we have to, we have to arm them differently, but we do definitely have to take into consideration where are they at developmentally and from a maturity perspective and from the context of the family and have the conversations as early as possible. You know, before you continue, I, I, I used to work with the Salvation Army and I worked with children. I worked with Salvation for seven years. And Salvation has a, has a, has a, a policy called Save from Harm. And the, the boys and the, the Cub Scouts of America adopted their, their Into Deep from the Salvation Army's uh, Save from Harm policies. And I remember having to, to train staff on, on some of these things. And we would get to where those those pedophiles, those who had this attraction to children, how they operate and grooming and coaxing and all these things that happen with, 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 with pedophiles and abusers and children and um, vulnerable adults also and how they operate. And sometimes they would chuckle when we touch on, cer- on certain topics not realizing the, the seriousness of it. I, I first learned of, of human trafficking when I started working with Salvation Army in Chicago and going through this all-day training on safe, being safe from harm and human trafficking was a whole, I don't know, had to be about two hours out of the, 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 the whole eight-day training or something. It was crazy. And I kind of lost touch with that side of it until now reconnecting again with with with, with Nisi um being introduced to Nisi and this whole taking lives taking innocence project and having been introduced to it before and hearing it still it still jolts you it still shocks you and the 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 male aspect of the the human trafficking normally we would think you know boys don't get uh influenced boys don't get coaxed into getting trafficked but we're we're misguided in that and nisi mm-hmm. you mentioned even your own misconceptions being yep. blown to smithereens when you got involved in this project. T- tell us about that. Yep, yep. You know, um, a lot of the stories that are out there are mostly about young women. Right. Um, and, and not many, you know, about young boys. So I remember, you know, listening to um, the stories and doing some of my earlier research, and I was thinking, man, this is horrible. Thank goodness I have a boy. And the more I learned about it, I realized one in three are actually boys. So one in three victims are actually boys. Say um, what now? One, one in three. One in three victims are actually boys. I, and I asked you to repeat so, it because I have two boys myself. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And we have to think about the demand and, and the reason for the demand 
at the, I said um, earlier, you know, this is about a transaction, but it's also about someone's, um, I want to say sickness or whatever. If, if someone is, you know, into a boy and, and by the way, like these, these, uh, people that are purchasing. So you have the traffickers and it's not always the trafficker that participating in intercourse with, um, you know, the children, right? Right. Sometimes they're actually purchasing or they're, you know, um, kidnapping the child or trafficking the child in order to resell them to someone else. And so these people that are purchasing sex from little small children, mm. it's men and it's women. Oh, so yeah, we, don't, we it, didn't even look at that side of it either. Yeah. It's so it is uh it's it's definitely very um disheartening and, and it's very alarming. But yes, you know, boys boys are definitely victims too and, and again it's it's whatever um someone is into, just like it it starts with pornography we didn't touch on pornography, but it starts with exposure to pornography. And so, you know, a lot of people watch pornography and and they don't realize that there is a relation between pornography and, and trafficking. And a lot of times that that person that you're watching could actually be a victim of trafficking and not actually doing it, um, you know, by their own free will. Mm-hmm. They're either, you know, they've been tricked into it or, you know, forced into it. And you you don't know, so this is why we say as advocates, just stay away from it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, if you're right. in a relationship, enjoy your relationship. You know, it just it's not worth contributing to something that's considered a crime. And if I can if I can add to that, mm-hmm. you know, we live in we live in a day and time now where it is becoming the social norm for children younger and younger to choose a sexuality, if you will, choose yeah. what they want to be. Right, and right, I think right. what's, what's putting more of, especially with the LGBT, um, the LGBTQ youth, they are so vulnerable. I work for the Florida Department of Health in West Palm Beach. I can't tell you the challenges uh, that that we are seeing now, you know, even with the advent of the computer, the cell phones and social media, it's like a smorgasbord now for traffickers. And the picking is so ripe. And I'm going to tell you why. And, and, and a lot of people don't know, but it, the LGBT community and these subcultures of the community, mm-hmm. they face significant challenges because, listen, a lot of their families um, can excommunicate them. They run away. They have a higher percentage of running away from home because of that. So if a young boy comes out as, you know, um, a queer or gay or, you know, um, gender fluid, you know, it will cause 46% of them uh, to be rejected by family. Now, when they're rejected by family, it makes them more vulnerable to Mm. going out there, running away, and then they get involved with um, relationships where they're engaging in what's called survival sex, and Mm -hmm. that puts them at risk to be trafficked, okay? Mm -hmm. They're looking for shelter. They're looking for food. 
They're looking for toiletries. And I'm telling you, uh, these traffickers know it. They know it. And they, like Dr. Vera said earlier, they are exploiting the vulnerable. And so with the LGBT community, which is uh, a huge community that I that I fight for because of the risk for HIV and other um, STIs, um, this is a huge issue uh, that we need to speak about. And, and it's, again, I, I go back to the family. As a family um, therapist, I will be graduating this year. Um, with my doctorate, so I'm not quite a doctor yet, but mm-hmm. these are the issues that we're seeing more and more pervasive in society because children are being forced almost uh, socially to choose a sexuality, to choose when their brain isn't even developed yet. Neuroscience teaches us the brain is still developing beyond 25 years of age, but mm-hmm. I'm being forced right. at four, at five, to choose a sexuality. And this is also one of the um, the the uh, problems that is, you know, promulgating this entire issue. Yeah, I think I think that. Go ahead. I see it as the fine line between a parent being supportive and guiding a child. You know, like a, a child, even if a child says, "Hey, you know, at four or five, you know, I identify as being queer or gay, mm-hmm. that child is still growing. And so, you know, when I see, and that's a whole other topic, <laughs> you know, I just think that parents have to guide children a little bit more um, because they're they're not, the, the mental capacity is not there for them to make those decisions at such a young age. Absolutely. And it's another thing... Um, Dr. Sandy, I'm, I call her Dr. Sandy because I'm not speaking into existence. Speak it into being, yes. <laughs> um, I have the title of as Dr. Sandra too. So, you know. Yes. With her story, um, she mentioned that she ran away and then also went within this community as well, run away, running away is, is very prevalent. Right. And so the studies have shown that within 48 hours, of a child running away, they're approached by a trafficker. That's true. Very true. Within, not not after, but within. Within 48 hours. So they're watching. They're they're looking. They know. Like, they, if you look hungry, they can tell a child that it looks like, you know, that child looks like they're by themselves. And then they'll take the time to ask the questions and find out what your family life looks like. Mm. You know, in any window that they can find that vulnerability, it can. A lot of times, people think of a vulnerability of b- being something that someone lacks or needs, but it can also be a want, right? So you can come from, you know, a two-parent home, like in, in Dr. Jess's story. You can come from a two-parent home, but if there's something that a trafficker can find, if they want that child, they will find something the child wants. And it may be, you know, you give your child, you know, $50 allowance, but they want 100 Who Who doesn't right. want to double their allowance? Yeah. And if that trafficker can say, hey, I can give you money or I can give you, you know, a, a free pass on a game, you know, or a new pair of sneakers, you might have all the shoes you want, but the child's like, okay, another pair of sneakers. What, whatever they can find mm-hmm. that you might need or want gives mm-hmm. them a door into trafficking a victim right yeah, absolutely 
and we know how it goes with with especially the boys in our community um they 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 want to play that new game that everybody is playing they want to wear the 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 new item of clothing that everybody is into that brand or that that thing they want to be in and they want to be all included and some will go to whatever by by any means necessary yes. you know to to be included mm-hmm. so should then the 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 conversation in the home whether it is a single parent home or or a helicopter parent home whatever the home that parent that is so concerned about their child should that discussion then be more focused on that child recognizing their value their worth absolutely you versus, hit the nail on the head yeah. okay amen <laughs> self value is everything and that's mm-hmm. what i teach um that those are the programs the psychoeducational and psychosocial programs that I'm creating in Palm Beach County um, centers on value. Because if I know my value and I know my worth, mm-hmm. then I will know it's way above, beyond that. Those new sneakers, it's way beyond that new game. And it's beyond the sweet talk of someone that can come to me and befriend me and sweet talk me. And now I'm... Um, I'm trying to please him, not knowing what's coming through the back door is pleasing him includes pleasing his other friends that he's already lined up, paid. And and that's another big issue that happens with trafficking. So, yeah, value is is everything. Mm -hmm. Um, Tanika, did did, did I hear Nisi mention you also having a, a son? I do. I do. And like Nisi, I felt the same way. You know, I have a boy. You know, at least I have a boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, you heard what the statistics were on that. And, right. Uh, yeah, it's 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 alarming. Um, and, and it's it's just it's really sad. But it's 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 there's a demand. You know, that's that's what it boils down to. Were you also also you were also of the opinion that this typically happens to girls. You don't have anything to worry about. Thank God I have a boy. Right. Of course. Yep. I was. When you when your eyes were opened, first thought. First thoughts were, I was just shocked that there was um, a demand for boys as well, and and at the rates that there were. Um, but then my immediate reaction was to now really start to have conversations with my son. Um, you know. Because he plays video games and, you know, they're exposed to right. people mm-hmm. um, through the games, through, you know, there's Fortnite and um, and things like that. And I'll share something real, real quick that, that happened to um, some someone that we know. Um, their, their child was on a video game and this wasn't necessarily trafficking, but we were talking about porn earlier. Right. And another child... Uh, put a recommendation for a porn site on the video game. And so now as children, what are they going to do? They're going to go ahead and they're going to explore and they're going to try to, you know, look, look up and see what's happening. Right. And of course the child was introduced to porn and the child started to watch porn. Thankfully 
his parents caught on and, you know, they were able to get therapy and that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's a real situation. So I had to have a conversation with my son about, about a straightforward conversation about, you know, what's happening out there, what, what he could be exposed to, how to respond to those things, as well as, you know, doing my part and putting, um, restrictions on, you know, the things that he, he, uh, plays with and the technologies and stuff that he has but yeah Mm. that's important very important so this this taking innocence project it's it's a whole docu-series how is it that 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 people get to view this series how do they get more literature um oh I, I, before I, I go there let me touch this this comment in the in the in the chat how about how our music helps to break down self-worth with our children that's a dr sandy right there all day <laughs> <laughs> repeat, repeat that question um Kevin, i just want to make sure i heard it, heard it right the music how about how our music helps to break down self-worth with our children oh that's that's a huge issue in our society especially um in the african-american community but it's cross culture because yeah. music is so overly sexualized mm-hmm. and what we don't know about music is play music for a little baby and you can see that baby will stop crying and just wake up and become curious because music taps into the very um nervous central nervous system of mm-hmm. the human brain yeah and it can captivate us it can hijack us if you will and i'm finishing up a, a fourth book on it's called the Pipe pipers of filth and that is mm. the, this over sexualized music culture where i'm putting these earbuds in my ear and i'm blocking out the world around me like a lot of the young uh, uh, the, the youth are doing today yes. they have those earbuds in but what are they listening to and what are they looking at and and i had a client a 15 year old client who was totally hijacked by um by this music with this profanity and overly sexualized and she started to masturbate and do things that she would not normally do and so by the time i i um i came into her life and she came into my life as my mentee now i'm understanding why she chose to do those things and it was be it started with the music then it started with another girl then they started experimenting with each other and that's what children do curiosity um and and innately we we're curious about our bodies and we will experiment to one degree or the next but music hijacks Uh, the neural cortex of the brain and it will cause us to act out when we don't even know that we're hijacked by it and and we can get hijacked by this music so it's so important to uh to speak to your children about what are they listening to there used to be a saying years ago when i was growing up be careful little eyes what you see little ears what you hear because whatever you're giving yourself to you will subtly become Mhm. Wow. You know, the, the the whole thing about music and and babies, I'm going to I'm going to take it a step further because I'm also a musician. And when my my son's mother 
was pregnant with our first child, our first son. She would come to rehearsals on occasions. And this is, here we go, playing brass at the time in the Salvation Army. And she said she would be sitting there and she could tell when the baby was calm. And it happened every time the band was playing, the music was playing. So for those who are not aware of the, the, the power and the effect of music, even the babies. And that's why also you might, some, some, some pregnant mothers were, are encouraged to play even classical music with their babies because the, the, it's, it's, it's soothing. And, and some of it is, is really just how tones work and um, the, the sound waves at certain frequencies, how they operate with soothing. And that is getting into the whole science of music. And even marketers know this. Yes. They know about the neocortex and when you go shopping, uh, they call it the priming effect. They're playing that background music to make you stay in that store longer, help you spin longer. We are so complex. We're so wired. The Bible calls it fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm -hmm. And so when we understand the way the the cerebral cortex works, the neocortex works, the higher order brain functioning works. It taps into every part of who we are. Music moves us. It molds us. You can play a song from years ago and it'll bring up nostalgia or or make you feel uh, romantic. It Mm -hmm. really commands us. So we have to be careful um, which command we're listening to. Yes. Um, Going back to the question of, of... Yeah, right, right, Roger. Um, there's a there's a reggae song by an artist, Queen Ifrika, and that, that speaks to that "Daddy, don't touch me there." And every time I hear that song, it it angers me a little bit. Um, the the documentary. Where can people get access to this documentary? Where can people get access to more material that 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 brings them more that that is more enlightening and makes them more aware of what is happening as it relates to trafficking. Um, so what I would say right now is we're going through the process of distribution. Mm-hmm. And once um, that process is done, they'll be able to watch it on um, a couple of different platforms can't say right now. But right. what I would say is go ahead and follow our page on Facebook and Instagram, Taking Innocence Project, and we'll definitely post more information. And then you know what? Um, that does bring up a good point. We will actually post um, some materials out there that they can actually um, utilize right now while they're waiting for the documentary. Awesome. And and those will be posted on your social media pl- platforms. Yes. Yes. Um, is there also a website? Yes, it's yes. www.takinginnocence.com. Awesome. Now, uh, I'm going to need some musical music therapy, and I don't even know where I'm going to go with it. But 
<laughs> where what would be in in closing out tonight what are are some of the takeaways that that each of you would want us to leave with and to to move forward with and i'm going to start with the the quiet one in the group Danika. <laughs> the quiet one in the group. Um, the, for the takeaways, I would say, you know, it's, it's just one I want to say, you know, simply put, for people to just open their eyes um, and, and really just be aware of what's happening around them. But but that's it's, it's so that's really vast. Um, but but it's true. I mean, I think that's a great starting point start with you know the trailer start with the documentary start with um the material and the content that we're going to put up but i also would say um for those who already know about this um and and who have the capacity to do this be be a voice in some way in in any way that you can help you can fight you can say something you see something, um, and that's the, the common, you know, a verbiage now. You see something, say something. Yeah. We have a responsibility to do that. Um, I think Nisi was saying earlier, we, we should get back to the village mentality. Um, that That's what kept us, you know, and I think that's that's true. We have to get back to the village mentality, and we have to look out for one another. So that's, that's what I would say. Okay. Um, Dr. Jess. So I would mimic um, Jamita's amazing commentary. I think that because of the, I'm sure that everyone who's been hearing this broadcast is likely to some degree overwhelmed by the amount of information and the enormity that it could be perceived in terms of what human trafficking really is. Mm -hmm. But if I could take two seconds and really simplify it, if we can end the demand, there would be no trafficking. And, um, Unfortunately, statistics are very high that the demand is driven by men. So if we could get more men involved in front of this, there's no mistake that there is a panel of women here. Women will always take up the cross and fight with the cause. But it's men that need to stand in front and take their rightful place as they're supposed to, to protect and to secure and to rescue. Um, so we definitely have to do more in terms of elevating our men in the community and equipping them and empowering them to stand up because if they do, then they will eradicate the demand. And if there is no demand, there is no commodity to sell to whom, right? Mm. Um, the other piece is, this is a, an amazing film that everyone needs to be able to see. And beyond the, um, the cinematography and the amazing victim stories and just the courage that's on the screen. I think it's, we would be doing a disservice if we just left it there. I think it's really important that every person become as educated as they can be because education is prevention. It is part of prevention and awareness comes through education. So, you know, pick up a, a leaflet, pick up, there are many, many anti-human trafficking organizations now in every community. So if you're truly um, seeking to get the information, you can find it in different resources. Um, but definitely follow the film. 
you know, follow Elite Foundation if you are interested in any um, education and prevention or training yourself as a parent so that you learn how to speak to your children about this very sensitive topic. Um, you know, look us up at Elite Foundation because we have all sorts of um, free curriculums that are specifically directed towards equipping parents, professionals, frontliners, continuing education for attorneys, for um, doctors, nurses, you name it. We basically are making sure that everyone doesn't have an excuse not to know what they're seeing. Right. Um, that when you see it, that you actually take some action. So it's not just enough to see it and um, and say something, but you have to step through it and you have to be able to as uh, Tamika said, you know, we have to look out for each other. Um, What's that website, Dr. Jess? Our website is www.elitefundsfreedom.org. Okay. And um, let's see, Nisi, I'll, I'll leave Dr. Sandra to, to close us out. Um, yes. Nisi. Yeah. Um, let see. How do I even echo? You know, I feel like they cover a lot of it. But, you know, I, I would say um, the takeaway for me would be for everyone to start with, you know, start small. Start with the conversations in your house, right? So if you have small children in your house, talk about this topic with your children and talk about it with your spouses. So if you're a female out there um, or a woman... You know, talk about it with your husband and, and talk about the connection between um, sex trafficking and pornography and strip clubs and all of the things that we think are innocent. Mm -hmm. um, talk about the, the relation to it and, and, and hear their thoughts on it and educate them as well. And then after you have the conversations in your family, I would say also introduce the conversation um you know, between your circle of friends. So start in your in your house and then take it outside. Even if you pick up and talk to one friend, interject it into the conversation and start talking about it now. Awesome. And um, Dr. Sandra Maria Anderson. Yes, I'm, 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 I hope you get familiar with that doctor. <laughs> I, I, they, they give me no choice I, I, I said you know I have two courses let me finish the course but they don't they, they give me no choice they no. want to speak those things as, the, it, as no. it always all, already is so I accept that you, and I'm you better accept it on my dissertation as we speak Okay. but I want to just leave the conversation with this um, in the wild we know uh, that the lion is the king of the jungle. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes when they're sprinting after their prey, they're not going after the biggest or the fastest. They're going after mm. the one that is isolated, yes. the one that's left behind, often that's vulnerable and younger and just can't keep up. We have to go back to a village where we all see, and, and it's been echoed through uh, Tanika, Anisi, and Dr. Vera, where we all, in, in their own way, but it's the same thing. We must all be aware and look out to make sure that no one is left behind. 
that if you see a child, if you see a person, we're so um, subconsciously driven to stay in our place, to mind our own business. Our, we are our brothers and sisters keeper. And that's just a fact. So becoming an, a mentor, um, being involved with other people's life. Traffickers, like I said, they will often target those who are left behind, who are left without a support system. And the, and, 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 uh, the wild, the, the animal kingdom, they are each other's support system. But when someone is lagging behind, when someone is it's, it's not paying attention and they're left, then they're left vulnerable to, to these predators. And like Dr. Vera says, where there is a, de- where there is a, um, a demand, there's a supply. And mm-hmm. without one, there can't be the other. So parents and caregivers must learn. They must learn to educate their children. The question was asked, is 10 years um, it too young? Or first, first of all, 10 years when I was younger is a different 10 years than, it, than yes. they are now. Yes. So you have to know your children. You have to be involved in their life. Ask questions. In my house, there was no, that's my room. No, you're in my room and I'm going to come in there. I want to talk with you. I want to know what's going on with your life. I want to be involved in your life. And then lastly, um, we need to recognize that we have to be more um, smarter. We have to outsmart the dark psychology of traffickers and how they get in and they get in because they know how to get in. They know how to play the game. They know how to smile. They know what to do right on cue. And so we need to get the information out to our faith, faith-based communities. And that's why I so admire uh, what the elite foundation is doing. It's elitefundsfreedom.org. Their mission is absolutely phenomenal. Okay, which is to eradicate the impact of sexual exploitation and what's what's and trafficking through education. Hosea four and six says, my people perish from the lack of knowledge. knowledge, So we perish from the lack of not knowing what to do. And so people like Dr. Vera, who's on the front line, like Tanika and Nisi, who's putting uh, flesh and bone to this fight. They're not just talking it. They're walking it. They're doing it. They're making a difference. This is what's going to take to um to change things so i would tell the listeners get involved with their mission get involved with taking innocence project find out share it get involved with um the elite um foundation um get involved and put action to what you're hearing the passion i i know a lot of people will feel sorry and they will want to be moved into action for Take an Innocence um, Project now and for uh, EliteFundsFreedom.org now. Mm-hmm. They have an eye care line where you can donate $27 a month where you're putting uh, your feelings or whatever you're feeling tonight, put it into action and buy a link. Get involved with what they're doing because I promise you, every dime goes to exactly what their mission is, Warriors of Change. And um and having sur- survivors like me, um, mm-hmm. giving them a future, giving them a voice. So please make an impact and get involved. Thank you so much. I I, I thank you, ladies, for taking the time out to raise awareness, to to continue to raise awareness. Uh, I thank you for sharing your stories, Sandra. 
Dr. Jess, um, Nisi, Tanika, even your own heartfelt, eye-opening stories. I thank you. I thank you. And just know that I... I'm, I'm I'm not doing this as a one-time thing. I'm not do, I'm not the guy that does the the oh this is the months off, and that is the only time we talk about it. No. This, I I am looking forward to us having this chat again and again and again, because raising awareness doesn't stop with talking about something one time and leaving it. Those who listen to me regularly know that I harp, I, I, I am the guy that flogs a dead horse when it comes to certain topics. Wrongful incarceration, health, um, becoming aware of self, over and over and over. Uh, Richard in, on, on, on Facebook saying, uh, that is most important education, true words. And it is great that you, DJ Kevin Stew, have started here and always shed light on very crucial subjects. Much respect, bro. Um, yeah. Give thanks for your involvement and passion. Uh, much love, much love, Richard. Um, Richard Mason is an entertainer. He is a reggae artist. Um, goes by the name Mason the Emperor. Right now, Richard is in Japan tuning in to us. Oh, Richard. <laughs> yeah. So, much love, much love, Mason. Uh, truly appreciate of it. Um, like, th this won't be the last time um, that I'll be inviting you ladies, whether collectively or individually. You are now a part of the Night Shift family. <laughs> and no I, I have a yes i have a suggestion for a show so um dr sandy has a book she did a um she wrote a book on her life yes um, and 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 dr vera we didn't we didn't talk about that but some of the things that she does for survivors is allow them to be able to um, sustain in society financially. Right. Right. And so she also has a program where, um, you know, either she's helping them with public speaking and learning to embrace and share their story and also write their, their stories, um, as authors. So I think it would be great if we actually maybe brought on some of the survivors to read, um, um, a chapter, like maybe a, a read along. I don't know what you guys think about that, but I think. That would be great. Hey. Thank you so much. I, like I it. would love that. And 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 Nisi did want me to mention my book and uh <laughs> and I, I just I literally looked down and read that. But my book is called Lessons from the Thorns. Yes. It's Grace is Sufficient. I wrote that book in two thousand sixteen to chronicle my life and my survival and how great and awesome God is in my life. He's been so faithful to me and he didn't leave me to die, and I could have very well died many times in my traffickers uh, when I was in my traffickers' possession. Mm -hmm. And even afterwards, when I was going through my own trauma story, including trying to commit suicide because sometimes the pain 
it's too much. And when you feel like you can't deal with it, then you want, you just want the pain to stop. So yeah. no, no one wants to die in suicide. We just want the pain to stop. And, and, and God has, like I said, been so faithful. So I would love that. Nisi. I think that's an amazing idea. But if anybody would like to read the story, my website is my name, Sandra Maria Anderson.com. You can actually read some of the book on that, on that page and um, look at some of the reviews on the book. It's, it's there. And then Dr. Vera, if you would like to add about what we're doing, I would love to hear you um, just add to that as well. Mm -hmm. I think it's a phenomenal, phenomenal opportunity. Um, through the foundation, we have a, an indie publishing house and the mission of the publishing house is, is to give another media and another um, opportunity to build platform for victims who are ready to share their story. And one of the ways we do that is through collaborative writing. Um, I'm a multi-bestseller and a Quilly award-winning author. So I take those skills and I transfer them to, um, to victims and help them to be able to create create their narrative and to be able to share it in a way that's going to edify their story, but also impact the community. So we're actually, the majority of us on this call are going to be writing in the next collaborative book called Chosen. Nice. Um, mm -hmm. It's a really very special book that's going to be released in the spring of 2021. Um, and it's going to purport 15 writers uh, of which the majority are, are survivors. Mm -hmm. um, and they're going to be able to share their stories of, of inspiration because one of the things that I love about the work that we are all doing is that despite all the tragedy and all the hardships, we are all finding the beauty in these ashes and we're converting them into strengths and empowering others to do the same because there is life after these tragic experiences. And, I, and that is part of what the collaborative book purports. It's mm -hmm. a series of inspiration and hope. So I would love to share and I would love to invite others um, who have written their survivor stories. If that would be of interest to your listeners, I'm sure they would love it as well. Oh, yes, definitely. You see, one of the things um, right here on an shift is that no topic is taboo. And it's not taboo because it's happening in real life. And whereas on Monday I may showcase a, an organization or an individual and what they're doing in the community on a Friday, sorry, on a Wednesday, I, I, I talk about how we interact with each other and, and some of the processes that happen, why we do the things that we do. So that, that's my real talk. And on, on Tuesdays I do health. And this is one of those things that <laughs> touch a little bit on all of those days. And I, I, I remember doing a broadcast on, on suicide. One of the more emotional broadcasts that, that I have done. Because a friend of mine, her son had committed suicide and she came on and, spe and spoke out on that. And so I, I look forward to working with you ladies in putting various broadcasts together, addressing various aspects of this issue of, on, that relates to human trafficking. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm going to try to figure out how we can do something for this Wednesday in our real talk. 
so you ladies will be hearing from me <laughs> as we <laughs> before Wednesday to see what we can do for that. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm I'm gonna close out with showing the trailer for the documentary one more time. And um, did you did you give your your social media contacts? I know the the taking lives. Sorry, taking innocence project on social media. Uh, Sandra, did you put out your social media contact information? I know you put your website. Um, yeah. Is all the contact yeah. there? Yes, sir. It's sandramariaanderson.com. Okay, cool. And we got yours, Dr. Jess. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. And, um, and Kevin. Yes. I'm sorry. We just want to say thank you for using your platform um, and, and, and through us <laughs> um, being a voice for this as well. So we appreciate that. Thank oh, so it's, 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 it's my yeah. pleasure. Um, <laughs> I, I, I am here for you guys. <laughs> that's, that's why I am here. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's your show. I was just facilitating it. So I'm going to go ahead and yeah, like, like the Phoenix joy, they have risen from the ashes. And, Thank uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that they can follow me also, um, I'm Nisi Johnson on Facebook as well. Okay, cool. And those of you who are friends with me, you can find her in my friends list. So <laughs> she's easy to find. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, ladies. Truly appreciate love it. Um, let me go ahead and pull up this this video once more. And we close out with this. And uh, we'll see if I can toss in... Uh, a one song in musical therapy. I don't know if I'll have time. I probably won't have time to close out. But I will play this trailer once more. For those that missed it earlier, you get an opportunity to see it again. Thank you, each and everyone. Remember, um, the community is not just the development that we live in, but it spreads far and wide. And we need to look out for each other. So those that we pass on the bus, the plane, the boat, the train, whatever you walk, you ride, you drive... These are members of your community. And sometimes the members of our communities are minors. So we need to take a, an extra hard look and look out for those. Because that minor, that individual who is vulnerable, may be you at some point or, or could have been you back in the day. So even more scary could be your child look out for each other let's bring back the village and protect each other thank you ladies amen amen thank you thank you so much good night it's it's my pleasure you all have a great night now i'm gonna pull up this 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 video once more those of you who have not seen it uh hold on to your seats i have a daughter named alexis and she used to love to sit on my lap and she would take her finger and she would twirl my hair and it would be so annoying but i loved it because she was so close to me she was taken from this world too soon by the grips of abuse addiction and sex trafficking 
we were at a hotel in the summer with other tourists. There was a trafficking ring already networked, looking for children who were left alone, you know, basically unaccompanied. Many parents are not aware that these traffickers are often hiding in the shadows. They are people that you will see every single day. And oftentimes they're there and they will see you way before you ever can detect them. FBI recently estimated there's 900,000 predators online masquerading as a 14 or 15 year old, but they're actually a 20, 30 or 40 year old luring somebody in. She was on the phone all the time taking pictures. She stayed in her room a lot. She had no more self-worth. She had nothing left to give or to offer, and I believe that's what she felt and what was in her mind. <sighs> this is hard for me. Oftentimes we have a misconception that says girls put themselves in a position. They put themselves in these risky positions and vulnerable positions to be trafficked. That is not the case. Some girls are being trafficked by girls their same age. So there's somebody that's in their peer group, somebody that knows them from school. So that's one of the trends we're seeing. That there could very well be many thousands of victims right now trying to get out, trying to figure out a way to get out, and they need a little assistance. And then at some point, they begin to believe just how worthless and how shameful and how embarrassed and how guilty they have become. And they can no longer fight.
thank you each and everyone for sticking around for sharing I'm back tomorrow healthy love y'all take care of yourselves remember to look out for them each and every one of them I'll just leave it at them. Once it's not you, it's one of them. One of those young boys, one of those young girls, one of those vulnerable adults. Someone that had been trafficked, someone who is being trafficked. Good morning, good afternoon, good day to you, wherever you are in the world. From right here in South Florida, I bid you a good night. Yeah, I'll take care. Greetings and salutations, one and all. You're invited to tune in to the Night Shift with DJ Kevin Stew. It airs on Mondays with Community and Finance, Tuesdays with Healthy Love, and Wednesdays with Real Talk from 10 p.m. to midnight Eastern Time. Come spend some time interacting in the stew pot where we keep things bubbling and wind down in musical therapy. The Night Shift with DJ Kevin Stew is on kevinstew.com where you're encouraged to have acceptance through enlightenment. <laughs>